something like that. Pushed in a canvas wheelchair through the A&D waiting room. Not very clean, not very nice. Not Caracas, but not Cedar sinai either. A glass bulletproof box for the admission staff, chairs in rows. The boy on his knee still, arms clamped around his neck, eyes shut tight. Through a door, a tall woman was waiting to meet him. She was blonde, grey suit. I am DS Alex Morrow. I'll come and talk to you soon. Martin nodded. They moved on. Into a corridor of curtained cubicles. The person pushing the chair parked them in a quiet corner, pulled a curtain around them, kicked the brakes on and went away. Time passed. Clocks ticked and trolleys rolled. Nurses' shoes squeaked by beyond the curtain. The sudden sound of frantic footfalls and a woman's high voice. Joseph! The boy loosened his arms and legs, pushed himself out from Martin, listened for it again. Joe! He clambered down from Martin's lap, stood facing the curtain as if afraid to pull it back. He looked tiny and helpless and close to tears, this engine, and Martin's hand rose towards him, needing him to come back. He dropped his hand quickly, remembering what a man craving the touch of a boy would look like, part of a generation brought up to suspect themselves. He saw the boy shiver at the curtain, shoulders by his ears. On safari, Martin had seen lions, hippos, even leopards making kills, giving chase. He saw a hippo bite a lion's leg off. Exciting, surprising, humbling even, but nothing compared to what he'd seen today because today had been utterly needless. The curtain yanked back. A red puffer jacket, long like a bloody sleeping bag. The small boy didn't look up but stood, frozen, staring at the woman's legs. I'm sorry, mummy. She fell to her knees, wrapped him up in her. She was hefty, thick around the hips, though the thick quilted coat wasn't helping that, with a dark, fine face. They stayed there for a long time until the nurse coughed impatiently. The mother looked up at Martin and her raw-eyed sorrow gave way to horror. She pulled the boy out to look at him, spat furiously into her hand and rubbed at his face with her spittle. Martin looked at the back of his arm. He was covered in dried, bloody freckles. Smearing the blood into the boy's hair, she spat again, weeping and spitting. The nurse handed her a wet wipe. She scrubbed hard, shoving his head back on his neck, and his eyes rolled in ecstasy at her touch. She stood up. Her sorrowful face was familiar to Martin, and he realised then that the dead grandfather was her father, and that she had loved him very much. The curtain fell shut and they were gone, and Martin was left alone and cold and numb. People spoke to one another out of sight. Telephones rang. Time ground past around him. A young medic came to see him. 
She shone a pen torch into his eyes, looked in his ears, asked him if he'd been hit on the head. He hadn't. He was in shock, she told him. She left. A nurse came with a pill and he took it. It felt a little like his stepmother Xanax, but fast. After a while it made everything feel softer. It was nice. A different nurse appeared, cupped his elbow, prompting him to stand up. Tenderly, watching Martin's feet and making encouraging noises, she led him down the corridor, around a corner and into a small, bright room with white walls and a dead computer on a desk. The blonde policewoman was there with a man. They stood up and introduced themselves, D.S. Morrow and D.C. Harris. They shook his hand. They all sat down. The policeman brought out a clipboard with photocopied sheets of questions.